Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Tom Hartman here with you, and we've got a lot to talk about today. But I want to start out by talking about right-wing bullying. And I think this is actually a big deal that doesn't get discussed anywhere near enough. There are some kinds of behaviors that essentially have the ability to, to become contagious. I mean, the one that most people are familiar with is uh, suicides among adolescents. You know, uh, very often one kid commits suicide in a school and, you know, a, a month later another one does. It's, it's uh, you know, it's something that has concerned educators and parents for a long, long time. And I think that bullying falls into that same category that, that you know, for example, you know, we had a bully for a president for four years, Donald Trump. And this is a guy who gets pleasure from bullying people, from stripping power away from people. You know, he's going after, I mean, you know, fill in the blanks, right? E. Jean Carroll and, and everybody else. And, you know, bullies just delight in this. I mean, this is, this is the sort of thing that they are just totally into. And it's a problem for America right now because bullies, because presidents tend to establish national norms. And John Kennedy, for example, you know, established like this kind of optimistic national norm. And I mean, even people even imitated his hairstyle, right? If you're old enough to remember JFK, Jimmy Carter made it fashionable to be a thoughtful, compassionate Christian and an energy geek. You know, he was a nuclear scientist, literally. Jimmy Carter was a nuclear scientist. Uh, Bill Clinton turned us all into policy wonks. George W. Bush transformed himself from uh, uh, you know an AWOL draft, draft dodger into a warrior bringing the country along. And Barack Obama established this tone of thoughtful, elegant inclusion and diversity that was celebrated around the world. At every step, and you can find this as you go throughout history, presidents as kind of the father or mother, well, we haven't had a female president yet, but as, as the parent figure for the country, tend to establish the tone and style. And so then we get a bully. And now we've discovered what happens when you have a bully as president of the United States. And, you know, just in a very, just to put it in a very straightforward fashion, within um, uh, months of Trump being elected, we were seeing studies showing that bullying in schools was going up. Right. And then, you know, you had uh, bullies like Mitch McConnell come out. I, this is a, a, a direct quote from Mitch McConnell. Quote, one of the proudest moments in my life was when I looked Barack Obama in the eye and I said, Mr. President, you will not fill that Supreme Court vacancy. Really? I mean, this is what we're seeing uh, in this whole spectrum of bullies, the whole Jim Jordan and, and Matt Gates bullies, you, you have Marjorie Taylor Greene bullying AOC and other members of, of the Democratic caucus. Uh, you've got these Karens, male and female, or Karens and Kens, or whatever the, the male term is, uh, around the country, finding new validation during the Trump administration in their efforts to bully, in particular, people of color. Uh, Trump's bullying use of the ch phrase China virus has led to a wave of actual violence against Asian Americans, um, AAPI Americans, and now trans children 
are on the receiving end of Republican bullying. And those people with bullying tendencies, in fact, were even drawn to January 6th, right? Uh, the guys who love guns and bullying. I mean, the ultimate bullying event, arguably, was January 6th, when they showed up at the U.S. Capitol and tried to bully us into keeping Donald Trump as president. And, you know, one of the things that I really celebrate about President Joe Biden is that he doesn't seem to have a bullying bone in his body. He's a thoughtful, uh, compassionate, considerate guy. So what do you do with these Republican bullies? You know, one piece of conventional wisdom, you know, what do you do to a bully? You punch him. In other words, kind of fight back or become a bully yourself. I think, though, that a better way of defining how you deal with bullies, particularly when you have power, is through something in childcare referred to as logical consequences, which is, or limit setting. It's basically you say, you know, okay, I get it. You know, you're, you're, you're foaming at the mouth. Here's the limit. When you step over this line, there will be consequences. And this appears to be the biggest challenge of the Biden administration is establishing these limits. And particularly problematic is uh, apparently the Justice Department is still filled with bullies that Donald Trump put there, or at least that Bill Barr put there. I mean, just, just consider this. Uh, the Justice Department just announced, this uh, was in yesterday's Washington Post. This is the headline. I mean, the, the headline kind of says it all. Uh, Justice Department says it will vigorously, in quotes, vigorously defend religious schools exemption from anti-LGBTQ discrimination laws. In other words, religious schools are saying, you know, because our two, three thousand year old book, our, our interpretation of that book says that you shouldn't be gay or, uh, you know, trans or anything else, uh, therefore... They're saying, we can discriminate against such folks. That's our religion. And we're not talking, we're talking about actual federal dollars. This is schools that are taking your tax dollars, saying that they have the religious right to discriminate with your tax dollars. And the Justice Department just announced yesterday, we are going to vigorously defend that right. What the hell? And then, you know, three days ago, they came out and said, uh, oh, yeah, Donald Trump, uh, you know, being accused of rape by E. Jean Carroll. And his defense was, she's not my type. I wouldn't bother raping her. Oh, yeah, it literally was his defense. He called her a liar, so she sued him for defamation for his calling her a liar. And now the Justice Department is saying, we're going to defend Trump, too. What the hell? And then Bill Barr bullies Congress saying, well, you know, Robert Mueller put together this report and designed it to be made public, right? I mean, Justice Department lawyers in the Mueller, on the Mueller team just combed through that thing before they, before they gave it to Bill Barr to make sure that everything in it could be made public. There was no classified information in it. And what does Bill Barr do? He just redacts the hell out of it. Have you seen an unredacted version yet? No, neither have I. Why? Well, it's going to reflect very poorly on Trump. When, uh, when Merrick Garland came in as the head of the Justice Department, the Justice Department had been wiretapping reporters. They kept doing it. And now down in Arizona, and it looks like it's going to spread to uh, you know, Pennsylvania and Georgia someday soon, You've got Republicans who are being financed with dark money, I'll get to that in a minute, who are continuing to violate federal law. I mean, this is a law that you go to prison for. You're not supposed to, you know, states are not supposed to hand ballots to anybody who's not authorized within 22 months of an election. And yet they're doing it. I mean, Chuck Schumer is letting himself get bullied by Republicans, well, Biden for that matter. I mean, they've spent months negotiating with Republicans on this infrastructure bill when, you know, Mitch McConnell told him at the very beginning, no way, no Republicans ever going to vote for it. They finally said, okay, Shelley Moore Capito, she's not negotiating in good faith. So let's negotiate with another Republican. Come on, guys. 
Have the bullies won? I mean, you know, how do you deal with bullies? I just and then, you know, the, the, the carrots and sticks that now we are finding out the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the Coke Network are pouring carrots on Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin and probably other Democratic senators, as well as the stick of, you know, we will run ads against you. No carrots and sticks, apparently, from the administration. This is the Tom Hartman program. I mean, we have to ask, have the bullies won or is Biden going to finally start imposing limits and, and, nat- and logical consequences on this behavior? Maverick in Edmonds, Washington. Hey, Maverick. You want to talk about hey, bullies? I'm starting off the show. Good yeah. morning. And uh, Good morning. Fox is not news. So, yeah. yeah, God, the Christian God is the ultimate bully, Tom. This guy was awful. Yeah. Why don't we need it? Why don't we see any Amalekites anymore or Minyanites? That's where it, it comes from. It, it validates it right there. And in, in, in that book called The B-I-B-L-E, where we have this imaginary creator deity that, uh, you know, gives people a guideline as to how to live their lives. There well, you, go. you know, the, the, the first commandment, you know, thou shall have no other gods before me is kind of the ultimate bully statement, I suppose. Although, you know, many religions kind of seem to seem to get stuck there. But I get your point. Well, you know, it's, and so we've been, are you suggesting that we have all been basically trained, at least all of us who were raised in Christianity or Judeo-Christian tradition, or uh, which would include Islam as well, that we've all been trained from childhood to accept bullying from authority figures since we've accepted it well, from the authority figure of God? Well, it's not trained, conditioned, and uh, at least told that conditioned it's okay. Yeah. You know, at least told it's, it's okay. Because, uh, you know, these are, uh, the, it, you know, it's the, it's the ultimate totalitarianism. You know, it's, it's like you spend your, you're supposed to spend your whole time worshiping this guy. It's like, it's like a celestial North Korea. The only difference is, at least, you know, in Korea, you can die and escape from it. Yeah. That's, that's uh, <laughs> interesting, drawing a parallel between the, uh, some aspects anyway, the biblical God and uh, Kim Jong un. Who, who well, sure, proclaims, who, I mean, you know, he, he asserts that he's God. Well, well right. Uh, yeah. And that's why, you know, I mean, you think people will say, well, you know, uh, you, people blame God for, or gods for uh, all these wars and deaths. But uh, what about uh, Kim Jong-un and Stalin and these other guys? Well, they were thought of as a god. Uh, so, or, or what's his name? Hito or... Uh, yeah, well, from, Stalin from outlawed Japan. religion, you know. I mean, actually, Lenin outlawed religion, but... So what fills that space? Some new secular authority figure, in this case, the Communist Party. Uh, yeah, because people so, like Soviet, to feel, yeah. a lot of people feel comfort if there's a big daddy up in the sky watching out for them. Yeah. I mean, hell, if it was true, that'd be great. You know, and I'm open-minded, but I just don't see any evidence. If I, you know, if tomorrow, tonight there's a constellation in the sky, a new one that says Jesus, well, you know, I'll rethink my position. But until then, I'm a secular humanist, and I'll be kind to people because that's what I believe in. There you go. Thanks, Tom. Maverick, thanks a lot for the call. Incredible. How do you deal with bullies? How most effectively should this administration be dealing with bullies? Uh, you know, I just uh, let me just uh, lay a, a little bit of this kind of expand on what I was just ranting about. First of all, I, the Hunter v. U.S. Department of Education, when I, when I said the Justice Department is going to vigorously defend religious schools, that's like before the courts. Right. Uh, it, it, this is. Grim. McConnell. Now, why would the Republican Party so. Uh, strongly push hanging onto the filibuster? Well, clearly, you know, it works for the Republicans. If they can prevent Democrats from getting anything done, then what happens? In particular, what happens to young voters who are just coming into politics and are seeing lots and lots of trolls on social media who are saying, oh, both parties are the same and you can't, you know, Democrats never get anything done. You know, just don't bother even voting, right? Yeah, I mean, this was the, the principal message of the Russian trolls in the 2016 election. Both parties are the same. Um, so these young people, 
if, you know, if nothing really consequential gets done, they start thinking, well, yeah, okay, maybe both parties are, yeah, screw this voting stuff. I'm, you know, I'm going to go, go party. I mean, why vote in midterms, right? Uh, Republicans also benefit because their policies are unpopular. 68% of Americans want a public option, the ability to buy Medicare. Well, as long as the Republicans can block any kind of forward motion in Congress, they, they maintain the status quo. The status quo is actually good from their point of view. If they can prevent expanded you know, funding, if they can prevent any expansion of uh, Social Security and Medicare, if they can prevent any expansion of any kind of social safety net programs, that's just fine with them. I mean, they've got a status quo that has been largely shaped by a bunch of Republican presidents who didn't even win the majority vote. George W. Bush didn't win the majority vote in America. Donald Trump didn't win the majority vote in America, yet they have reshaped our political landscape. Meanwhile, to, the, to this ballot, so-called ballot audit, this fraud it is increasingly what people are calling it. Turns out, it's, it, you know, the, the or Arizona State Legislature appropriated 150 grand to pay for this thing. That was nothing. They, they probably burned through 150 grand in the first week. This is costing millions of dollars. Where is that money coming from? The Guardian has a great piece today. Arizona ballot audit backed by secretive donors linked to Trump's inner circle. Republicans in the Arizona State Senate, which authorized the inquiry, allocated the 150 grand. And then it goes on. At least 150,000 additional came from uh, Voices and Votes, which is a 501c4 run by Christina Bob, who uh, conveniently is the anchor, is an anchor over at One America News Network, who is constantly plugging the Arizona uh, fraud it. L. Lynn Wood, the pro-Trump attorney behind a whole bunch of lawsuits with his nonprofit Fight Back has donated to this. Patrick Byrne, the former chief executive of Overstock.com and an ardent Trump supporter, I'm reading here from The Guardian, is also leading, is also leading a group funding the effort. In, in April, Byrne's nonprofit, The America Project, launched a Fund the Audit campaign trying to raise $2.8 million. Byrne says he contributed a million bucks himself to the effort. And at least another $900,000 has come from unknown sources. Uh, he's also a uh, also in the past has served as a chief of another dark money group involved in this thing called Defending the Republic, and uh, you know and then Arizona State Representative Mark Fickham claimed that his group Guardian Defense Fund it's another 501c4 is quote paying money for additional security at the site he, he told Steve Bannon this on the radio bullying America. And these guys, frankly, they're bullying the Justice Department. What they are doing in Arizona right now is a violation of federal law. You are not, the state is not to release and you as a private citizen are not to touch a ballot or a voting machine within 22 months after an election unless you are specifically authorized to do so by, by federal election officials. I mean, these people could be put in prison today. The FBI could go in and shut this thing down tomorrow and should. But, you know, the bullying seems to work. And that's distressing. Over, over on uh, the right-wing media, the new bullying, now they're going after Kamala Harris and black people. I'll tell you about that. Actually, you know, I'm, I've got a lot of information about that, so I'll, I'll dig into that in the uh, second half of our second hour today, because uh, it, it is just uh, what is what is going on here is alarming. And I get, you know, I want to give the Biden administration a lot of credit. They have changed the national tone. They have, you know, largely fixed so far the virus problem, although, you know, some of these variants are starting to make all of us very nervous. Um, and they're moving the, you know, they're moving the country in a positive direction. But Biden's going off to Europe to proclaim democracy, while here in America, Republicans are kneecapping it. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Great piece in this morning's Financial Times about how European leaders intend to confront him on that. How can you come here and promote democracy when you've got an entire political party in your own country tearing it down?
quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This whole situation with bullying, I don't think I'm a bully. I don't think I've ever, I, in fact, I, you know, I was the victim of bullying as a child, and which is probably one of the things that has sensitized me to it. Kid down the street, his name was Dennis, used to just beat the crap out of me periodically, and it was, it was not pleasant. This is when I was like, you know, 10, 10 years old. And uh, I still remember it, still remember it. It, it, was, uh, it was tough. And, and so, you know, is Merrick Garland being bullied? Or is he in league with the bullies? I mean, what's going on at the Justice Department? This, this really concerns me. And then, of course, there's the whole right-wingosphere and these bullies on, you know, right-wing radio and television, it just kind of oozes out of there. Where are the tough guys here? Yeah. Morris in Long Beach, California. Hey, Morris, thanks for calling. What's on your mind today? You know what trips me out about Fox News? The, the, uh, there was a, uh, the Capitol Police put together an advertisement to let the world know what was going on and what took place on January the 6th and what they went through. And Fox News refused to run that advertisement. Okay, they call themselves favoring the blue, but, uh, you know, the blue is not of all one opinion. And they refused to run that ad. And I'm going to tell you something, Professor. We need to recognize who we're dealing with and where these people are coming from. They don't give a rat's backside about the success of this country. They're straight out. Uh, out to just to tear it down. It just to, to tear yep. it down. It's hard for us to accept that. It's really difficult for us to accept they that. They do not most, believe in democracy, Morris. They believe in oligarchy and autocracy. Well, what gets me is how they can manipulate the common man. You know, President Johnson once said that if you can convince the lowest white man that he is better than the highest black man, then he will allow you to pick his pocket. And that makes me think of uh, the, the corporate tax rate, how it went down from 92 to 27%, you know, and uh, uh, of course Ronald Reagan really took it over the cliff. But Professor, what I'm concerned with is we can't have medias like Fox talking to our people every day, getting them all pumped up with this, this uh, indifferent spirit. Hell, we're, we're one country, and they treat us like if you're from a blue state, you know, you're supposed to be anti-arrest. They were one country, my brother. So something's got to be done about them guys on TV. Maybe Black Lives Matter can get some signs together, start protesting in front of their business. Because they really, Professor, I believe, they can tear us up. They really, mm -hmm. And we got, we're very fortunate, very fortunate, on January the 6th, you let one congressional person get killed. Okay, there's suspension of habeas corpus there. You know, it's, it's over now. Okay, mm -hmm. so we're really teetering on some, some serious stuff here, man. So we got to do something about them guys talking on the TV like that, you know. So you read, you're an intellectual, you're smart. But most people don't have your reading muscles. They're not as smart as we are. So you can, it's easy to persuade them. They become echo chambers. But it's dangerous, my brother. It's, it's straight up dangerous. It really is. I, I, I agree. And, and it concerns me tremendously. And, you know, I, I obviously, you know, we have a First Amendment. Government is not going to do anything about this. Sort of, you know, perhaps regular protests. You know, occupy Fox News <laughs> or occupy like the street it. in front. I like it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, where do we go? What do we do with this? It's just, it's, 
it's it, it, it's it's a tough one. Anyhow, thank you, Morris. Thank you, Morris. Spot on. Good talking with you, Paul in Woodenville, Washington. Hey, Paul, what's up? Well, you know, Tom, I think the Republican bullies are bullying themselves right into a balkanized country, which is not necessarily a good result for them. Which is what they've wanted since the 1860s. Oh, well, that's fine. Let's, you know, that's what they're going to be the dog that caught the bus. And my suggestion, of course, is always uh, one great way for the dog to catch the bus is if the bus slams on its brakes, right? The Mm -hmm. dog just rear-ended. That's what I've always suggested. And unfortunately, you know, when I make these suggestions, uh, some of our progressive caucus members like Ro Khanna and Mark Pocan, they don't get it. This country is coming apart. And it's not coming in apart, and it's not going to be a civil war like it was in the 1860s. But I'll, you know, I'll note the piece by Leonard Pitts uh, in, from the Miami Herald this past weekend where he said the COVID crisis was the first crisis in American history that the, the nation did not come together as a nation. When I say the difference between nation and country, a nation is the people, the, the more perfect union. The country is the, is the, is the geography. Right. And that's kind of an important distinction because... Uh, as you know, Tom, in, in the next 20 years, probably 80 percent of the of the people in this country are going to be living in about 10 states. And those are mostly on the coast. And those are the economic centers which yep. are right now, the big blue states. And that's why I'm saying the way to deal with these bullies is to start start securing, you know, kind of let them have their way and start securing states rights and be ready for when this thing starts to fall apart. Uh, the states who take care of themselves will be in the best position because the Republican states are they're the taker states. They Paul, we've been here for a long time. You've got you've got maternal mortality rates and child mortality rates in southern states, particularly Louisiana, um, that are higher than some uh, third world countries. I mean, the, literally the highest in the world among developed nations. We are already coming apart. We've got you know I mean, I mean we get. They've got epidemics of hookworm disease in in Mississippi. The last time I saw, you know, a crisis with hookworm disease, I was in Uganda. I mean, it's it's you know, in the middle of a civil war. It's, it's oh yeah, Tom. Tom, the the, the infant mortality uh, in this country is the highest in the top fifty Western nations, and it's uh, the last thing. It's over. It's six hundred and ten per uh, per hundred thousand. That's on average, because that's not in every state. So what you're saying is it's way higher than that in some of these other states. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. We, we have already come average. apart, and we've, we've been there for the better part of 50 years. I mean, the southern states you know, fought and fought and fought against even implementing Lyndon Johnson's great society programs. And, and still, you know, and then the Supreme Court came in and said, yeah, you can ignore the Medicare expand or Medicaid expansion in Obamacare. And so they, you know, they're still sticking it to their citizens, um, you know, in, right. in, in, and, and uh, you know, those states haven't risen. People in those states haven't risen up and said no, because there's enough white middle class white people in those states who are saying, well, you know, who's getting hurt the most by this is all the black people who live here. And and so they're willing to go along with it. I, you know, the, the, well, that's, that, yeah, that's right. And, and and we keep talking about how, oh, some of these voters, they keep voting against their their uh, best interests. And that's because um, many of these voters, these are meme value belief voters that they don't care. As a previous caller said, their whiteness is more important to them than their economics. It really is. And so there's, they're not going to change. You're not going to be able to show them the facts that will make them vote a different way because it's about meme value beliefs. And there's that. And, and, it's you know, not I'm even that, Paul. A, it's not even beliefs. Huh? It's about tribe. It's about people, uh, white people identifying as white people and saying, we want the status quo to continue. They're saying that they want the, the status quo to continue. You know, because it keeps white people on top. And by the way, men are doing the same thing, in particular with regard to things like abortion laws and and you know uh, access to yeah, birth control yeah. and things like that. You know, for the same reason, it's but it's other about societies, power. Tom. Ancient other ancient societies have gone down. I'm thinking. Uh, Rebecca Costa notes in her book, The Watchman's Rattle, the ancient Mayans. They just thought that continuing to sacrifice more and more children would somehow get them out of the drought that destroyed their destroyed their society, their civilization. 
this is, they just keep believing that if they do the same wrong thing over and over and more and more and better, that it'll get them out of it. And that's what these mean beliefs people are about. They, they don't care about the fact. It's all about their tribal beliefs. That's what happened to the mind. That's what happened to a lot of civilizations. Yeah. And uh, it appears to be happening to ours. Paul, thank you. Your thoughts on bullying and politics and where we're at in this country, how we go forward, you know, what we can do about it. Speaking the truth, some multinational corporations would really rather you didn't know all about it. It's the Tom Harvard program. George in Los Angeles. Hey, George, what's up? Hello, Mr. Arman. I just thought I'd throw my two cents in. I once worked at a blue-collar, a really tough place, blue-collar work job. It was like going back to kindergarten. It was like everybody's like punching each other, like in the chest or something. They didn't know you. It was just, yeah. it was you know, crazy. So this big guy once walked up to me. I didn't know. He punched me in the chest, hard. Mm-hmm. I thought, no way. I walked up, you know, behind him. He was walking away, and I, put, you know, tapped him on the shoulder. He turns around. What? I decked him. Right, right on the ground. Right. Guess what? We got along just fine after that. For the rest of my time, I worked at that place. Like we got along, became kind of like buddies. That's how you deal with bullies. Yeah. It's the only I, language they understand. You know, I don't disagree, and that's why I said it's it's called setting limits. And when these guys step over the line, and they and they have, as they have been doing since the first day of Biden's inauguration. Somebody needs to drop the anvil on their heads, you know, or the piano out of the window or whatever, you know, whatever metaphor you want. I'm with you, George. I, I, I'm with you. And we need to be pushing back. And, and Merrick Garland doesn't seem to be up to the task. I'm thinking Merrick Garland should leave the uh, Justice Department. He, he's a nice guy uh, for a Republican, um, but uh, I'm, I'm very, very concerned about what's going on. George, thank you. That was a great story. Brian in Tacoma, Washington. Hey, Brian, what's up? Yeah. Hey, thanks for taking my call. You just, um, I mean, you just touched on it again, but I really just, do you think that Merrick Garland, the, the Orrin Hatch recommended Merrick Garland, do you think he's, he can't do it or doesn't want to do it? Or is there, are there just too many Trump holdovers and too many Republicans in the justice department? And there's so many fires to be put out that he just can't get to it. Like, I think that's, I think it's the latter, Brian, but I have no inside information on this thing. And we're not, there are very, very few leaks out of the justice department. It's one of the most tightly sealed drums in the federal government. And, uh, yeah. but, but my guess is that Trump stacked the senior levels of justice department management with, with Trumpies and, and they and they've always been Republican leaning. I mean, it's a law enforcement agency for God's sake. And, right. and so, uh, you know, surprise, surprise, they're going to be leaning hard to the right. And I think America has completely forgotten, at least Democrats have, but you know, when Barack Obama was looking for a Supreme court justice that could clear the 60-vote filibuster threshold in the United States Senate, he went to Orrin Hatch, the Republican from, from Utah, very, very conservative Republican from Utah, and said, who is a, a federal judge that Republicans would find acceptable? And Orrin Hatch essentially said, Republicans love Merrick Garland, and he's a moderate guy. Why don't you put him in? And so that was Obama's nominee. I think it's time for him to go, frankly. I, 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 I do have to give you credit, Tom. I do know about the Orrin Hatch thing from you. So, um, well, I've been ranting about it for years. I, you know, I thought yeah. it was a mistake for Obama to pick him in the first place. But, but we're in a bit of a pickle because always because of the Joe Manchin thing. Like it's like if, if we get rid of Garland, then who do we? How do we confirm someone else? You know yeah. What I mean? so. Yeah. No, it's it's a real challenge now that the cinema and Manchin are openly taking resources, money, and support from, you know, the Koch Network and from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, you know, along with every other Republican. It's uh, bad news. Brian, thank you for the call. Steve in St. Petersburg, Florida. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. As always, you're the only media pundit connecting the dots in a progressive, ethical way. I know they tell us not to compliment you, but on the other hand, your opening talk about bullying, I thought it was incomplete. Let's face it, the human species has risen to the role of earth-destroying apex predator precisely because we are the most successful bully that the universe has ever seen. Secondly, 
bullying and exploitation getting over on each other is built into consumer capitalism. It's in almost everything we do. Thirdly, America has always been a dominator, gun-nut, bloodthirsty, racist, bullying country. We've not only stolen the land from the Native Americans while enslaving the blacks, we stole the land from the native animals, plants, and trees that were here first, and we continue to have bullying that is unaccountable. And I think what you're raising is the classic issue that even Jesus had to deal with in the Garden of Gethsemane when they came to take him away, and Peter cut the ear off of one of the soldiers, and Jesus said, we don't fight that way. But how else do you deal with armed, dangerous, violent, insurrectionist, seditionist, traitorous bullies other than by fighting fire with fire, but then when you fight fire with fire, you, you become an arsonist. Yeah. It's now, very difficult, Tom, and you've raised these philosophical, religious, and spiritual issues, and I hope that you'll make space for those. as you These discussions that you're bringing up are much deeper than most people realize. Oh, you're absolutely right, Steve. And Chris Ryan, who, who wrote this new book, Civilizing Ourselves to Death, is going to be a guest on our program sometime in the next few days or weeks. And what he documents so brilliantly is that Aboriginal and Indigenous societies for you know, 100, 200,000 years of trial and error of human history, we figured out how to prevent bullying. Bullying in most indigenous societies is a sin. It's a major sin, as is hoarding. And we celebrate these things. You're absolutely right. And America was founded on this. And you know the whole doctrine of discovery stuff is about being bullies and whatnot. So the question is, can we incorporate some of those older culture values uh, because humanity has had demonstrated prior to the agricultural revolution that it was up to the task. Or is it that in a post-agricultural revolution, post-industrial era, uh, I'm talking about the last 7,000 years, and now we're kind of at the, at the peak of uh, the evolution of that process. I'm, I'm reluctant to use that word, but I don't have a better one. Um, can we now that we have gotten this far using these you know, violent, essentially, systems, can we reform ourselves before we destroy ourselves? Because if we wow, don't Wow, you know, that's exactly what I meant when I say you bring up death discussions, and you're exactly right. Can humans learn to live with each other and all the other species on this planet without destroying them? That is our big challenge. And it's an open question. And in fact, we had this conversation, you know, a couple of years ago with Sean, what was the guy who was saying that, you know, climate change is going to just going to kill us all in the next 10 years, so just give it up and start loving your friends? Guy McPherson is his name, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we had Guy on the program, and he was basically, you know, it's over. We're screwed. I don't believe that, but I do get there's this kind of segment of folks, not in the climate change movement, because the movement is still trying to do something about climate change, but who have kind of spun out of the climate change movement who are taking that line, you know, that, that the thing that is ultimately going to save the human race is the destruction of civilization as a consequence of climate change, and then we'll just go back to li living tribally and we'll rediscover egalitarianism out of necessity. Um, I, you know, I very much hope that that's not the fate and future of my children, grandchildren, or great-grandchildren, but I can't discount it altogether. And I think that the decisions that are being made in this decade in particular are going to be pivotal in moving in that direction. Steve, i got to move along, but thank you for the call. It's, it's great to hear from you, and I appreciate your kind words. Daniel in Maywood, Illinois. Hey, Daniel, what's on your mind today? Hi, uh, this is a deep discussion you're having this morning. I originally wanted to agree with the people that said you've got to stand up to bullies. But really what's behind my my idea is is that I think we ought to be looking for a coalition with the other side. If we have that punch out and we do develop a relationship with the bully, then we can talk to them. But one of the worst bullying behaviors that just makes me irate is the propagandistic misuse of words. And this uh, demonization of Antifa really sets me in a fighting mood. Um, you know, you've made the point many times that our entire nation was anti-fascist in our last legitimate world war. 
And anybody who uh, wants to stand up for democracy should also be willing to say that they're anti-fascist. And this, uh, yeah, Daniel, what, what's, what's going on here? Just, just uh, to put a point on it, I've only got 10 seconds. The Republicans love to take words that people don't know what the meaning of them is and, and uh, attach their own meaning to it. And that's what they did with Antifa. That's what they're doing with critical race theory. People don't know what either of those words mean. So Republicans are trying to define them in advance as profound negatives because many Democrats have already embraced them. And that's, that's absolutely what's going on. And I agree with you. It's, it's massive bullying and, and, it's, and it's Frank Luntz style propaganda. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Don in Los Angeles. Hey, Don, thanks for listening to KPFK. What's up? Oh, hi, Tom. As I've been listening to this discussion about bullying, uh, it's evolved in so many dire- interesting directions. Uh, not all of them are very valuable and worth uh, pursuing. I just want to focus on a couple of things. Uh, one is, I think that this, what someone said about America being having a history of being a bullying nation is absolutely true. The kind of paraphrase that H. Rap Brown, bullying is as American as mom and apple pie, and that's part of our problem. Most nations throughout history haven't been that way. Well, we committed the largest genocide in the history of the world, and we've never really acknowledged it. Canada just, it was just 15 years ago that Canada apologized to its indigenous people, uh, maybe in the in the neighborhood of 15 years ago, Australia as well. But the United States, we're still pretending that didn't even happen. They don't even want it taught in our schools, the Republicans. Yeah, I agree. In fact, that they're a good example of mostly peaceful people that were completely abused by the uh, and, uh, Europeans coming here, and um, it was genocide. Let's call it what it, it was. It was definitely genocide. Yeah. They they won't acknowledge it. There's Done. so much denial. So we got to work on that. Obviously, the the other thing, um, I've been a I'm an evangelical white male. I'm um, kind of a moderate liberal, I suppose, politically. I agree with uh, exactly what you're saying with this discussion today and all of the damages Trump has done. I think that someone had mentioned that um, what drives people on the right is their whiteness. I think at least for evangelicals, it's not so much that. It's it's a logic of dominionism. I'm becoming more aware of this, that they have a certain eschatological shift from evangelism to uh, dominance, from uh, political conquest. It's absolutely um, irrational and un- unrealistic, and it's also morally wrong. And uh, as long as they pursue that and they can't be disabused of it, I think they're just going to be stuck in that place of supporting mindlessly these insurrectionists and all this violence, this bullying, and being completely contrary to everything Jesus Christ taught. Yeah, and dominionism, you know, evolved, as it were, out of the genesis, uh, you know, where God said you have dominion over nature and, you know, uh, basically all life. and, And that... That uh, permission slip, shall we say, uh, has has led to some, you know, what seemed like, you know, for for many thousands of years, a couple of thousand years, like you know, wild expansion and you know, getting things getting better, and now it's like, no, now we're tearing the the planet apart. The the logical endpoint of 
dominionism is exactly what indigenous and aboriginal people said it would be disaster yeah yeah it is it's so absurd. so it's, as it's an evangelical what what changes need to be made in your church to or do you think that it can be reformed that it can abandon um, its dominionism and and maybe go the way of you know some of the christian religions that are more cooperative and collaborative you got 10 seconds well, well, my, 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 I, I need more access to the media. I have a website, but uh, it doesn't get much. Uh, I'm not good at marketing. I think with your suggestion about the liberals have to take seriously the idea of developing their own media to compete with right-wing media. It's the only solution we have to fight these lies. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm Say, with you. And I, I've been singing that song for a long, long time, and I can't get wealthy liberals to hear it, sadly. Don, thank you for the call. I, I do appreciate it. I mean, you know, a lot of... If you're listening to me right now, you are almost certainly listening to me on a nonprofit media. Uh, most of them right now are in, in fund drive, in a pledge drive. Please support them. Tom Harmon here with you. So. I promised you that I would get into another aspect of bullying. I mean, I, what did uh, Amazon do with their workers in Alabama who wanted to unionize? They bullied them. They were getting text messages at all hours. They were getting phone calls. They were getting, uh, it was just, they were, they were overwhelmed with these messages about don't unionize. If you unionize, you, I mean, they were even offering to, to early retire with bonus people who were helping to organize the union which didn't, you know, then the union didn't happen ultimately. So there's, you know, another example of big corporations in America acting like bullies. It's like we've got this culture built on, based in, grounded in bullying that goes back to the doctrine of discovery, that goes back to the slaughter of, of the innocents, as it were, the slaughter of, of uh, the genocide of native peoples. In, in, uh, in the Americas by Europeans. And then, you know, capturing people in Africa and dragging them over here to be held in enslavement. <laughs> Talk about bullying, right? Yes, that's the history of our country. And, cons and progressives are trying to say, enough, let's have a reasonable society. You know, we've, we've gotten progressively more and more civilized over the years, or at least we think we have. Let's, let's really do this right. And conservatives are like, no, no, no. We want to go back to being bullies and breaking, you know, segregating people out by race or by gender or, or gender, whatever it may be, gender identification. And so now we see over at the writing, uh, R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G, uh, you know, this daily newsletter that summarizes, well, the top news headlines in the far right for the rest of us is their slogan. The top three right wing, it's like every day there's a meme on the right that gets pushed out to tens of millions of Americans through social media, perhaps even hundreds of millions. I don't, I, you know, if, if you include social media, that gets pushed out through social media, gets pushed out through all these right wing websites. That is the topic du jour to be pounded on every right wing or the most of the right wing hate radio talk shows. It's all over Fox. And today, the rant is Kamala Harris. Oh my God, have you noticed that we have a black woman in the vice president's chair? Can't have that. And she might be the nominee for president in 2024, so we've got to start tearing her down right now, say the Republicans. Remember when Kevin McCarthy came out and said, how are we, this was even before the primaries, right? This was before the 2016 primaries. And he said, we're going to invest, I'm, you know, I'm not even going to try to paraphrase it from memory, but, but the clip is easy to find. It's all over the Internet, where Kevin McCarthy was basically, you know, saying, we're going to take down Hillary Clinton. We're going to do it with, you know, nonstop congressional investigations into her emails and into Benghazi. And we're going to basically, they, the Republicans said that they were going to smear her to the point that she couldn't win an election. And guess what? It worked at least to a, to a large extent. So now they're trying to do the exact same thing with Kamala Harris. God forbid, in the minds of conservatives, that a woman would end up president of the United States, much less a woman of color. 
of, of African-American and, and uh, uh, Indian ancestry? So the headline over at the Washington Examiner, Kamala is in way over her head and everyone can see it. The headline over at Fox News, mainstream media thinks Kamala is a god. Latin America thinks otherwise. Red state. Kamala cackles again. This is, right, this god-awful old witch stereotype of women is is what they're evoking when they use the word cackles. Kamala cackles again over the border, and yet another confused mess of an answer. And the, the opening paragraph, ah, Kamala Harris, she just can't help herself. She's just so arrogant every time she's asked about the border. She just made another cackling border comment that shows how clueless she is. That's twice in one day. Right. Tucker Carlson, if Harris is looking to be greeted as a hero, she ought to go to London or some, some other population center where people hate themselves and their own culture. Yes, have you noticed that there are black people in London? There's quite a few of them. Many of them came from African countries that were under the, you know, under the thumb of the British Empire as the empire dissolved and said, hey, if you're in one of our countries, you can come here and be a citizen if you want. Oh my God, Tucker Carlson's all bent out of shape. England, well, London in particular, but England is becoming a multiracial society. We can't have that. It's back to bullying. And then Fox News, we're being marginalized. We? Who is we? Turns out they're specifically talking about white people. I mean, like, we're being marginal. Really? Rich in Central Woolly Washington. Hey, Rich, what's on your mind? Hi, Tom. What I'm going to say may sound crass and repugnant to a lot of people, but I have a way $35 to buy back democracy. Four easy steps. Step number one, we need as many people as possible to contact Joe Manchin's campaign office and simply say, I'm committed to make a donation to your campaign. If you will commit to changing the filibuster, reforming the it won't filibuster work, Rich. It won't work. He's the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the largest lobbying organization in America. They control, they control a budget, you know, hundreds of millions, maybe billions. God only knows. Just started funneling money to Mansion and Cinema. The Koch Network is now supporting Mansion and Cinema, and probably a few other Democrats as well. What we're seeing are that the enemies of democracy itself are on the march, and they are very, very wealthy. The uh, Chamber of Commerce only gave him $17,000. I know, of, of explicit money into his campaign. How much are they going to spend on, on third-party ads that don't show up on Open Secrets in, in campaigning for him? It could be millions. It could be tens of millions. I mean, that's what, when you are embraced by the U.S. Chamber and by the, by the Koch network, most of that does not show up on the stuff that is easily tracked. If and one, these guys all know one, one sixth of your audience participates, and he's going to get a thirty-five million dollar bump out of this. Yeah, but one sixth is not is not it's not you know, Rich. I, I I love your optimism, and I share your enthusiasm for doing something about this. But I don't think that you can bully Joe Manchin out of this. I don't think you and I can do it. I think that Chuck Schumer. And President Biden might be able to, but they don't seem inclined to. So, Rich, I got to run along. I got to move along. But thank you for the call. James in Salida, Colorado. Excuse me. Hey, James, what's up? Hey, Tom. When I was in seventh grade, the guy that was considered to be the second toughest guy in the school decided he was going to make me his one of his favorite bullying targets. Mm -hmm. I tried to be nice to him. I tried to avoid him. Nothing worked. Yeah. At the end of seventh grade, he... Um, decided to take me out by kneeing me, you know where. Um, I whirled around, I shoved him to the ground, he came up, hit me in the face, and the next thing I knew, I had him against the lockers, I was beating his face in, and the teacher was pulling me off. At that point, I was like, okay, I've had enough. Right. Well, the following year, nobody, mess with me, not even the guy who thought he was this 
the first toughest guy. In fact, everybody thought that. I know. So um, what I have found is that trying to be nice to a bully doesn't work. You're right. You have to be out bullying them. And we are in a war. We are in a war for our democracy. And if we don't go to war right now, we are going to lose it. I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I, I don't think that I would characterize it as you have to bully bullies. I would characterize it as you have to set limits. When their behavior exceeds a certain point, you say, that's it. You know, the, the anvil's going to fall on your head. And, and, and obviously, that's what happened with you, James. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I never reached that point when I was a little kid. And I'm not sure if it's because Dennis's bullying was not that terrible or because I was just not that, uh, you know, physically. I mean, he was physically much larger than me, and I was, I was scared of him. Um, but uh, it's, it's like this, this, this is the stuff we do, you know. It's, uh, anyhow, James, thank you. Thank you for your, your I, I agree with your sentiment, your overall sentiment. And, and I think it's very, very well said. Stick around. It's the Tom Hartman program helping you win the water cooler wars. Yes, we're back. We've got our water cooler back. Actually, it's a, one of those ceramic pots that you put a five-gallon thing in. I said ceramic bowl the other day, and people were on Twitter going, Oh, really? Toilet water? No, 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 no. Anyhow, helping you win the water cooler wars. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. How do we deal with bullies in the federal government? Chuck in Spirit Lake, Idaho. Hey, Chuck, thanks for watching Free Speech TV. What's on your mind today? Yeah, well, Tom, in this discussion of bullies, the uh, problem is we're, we're not in school anymore. Mm-hmm. There are no teachers for referees. That's a Pollyannish Marcus of Queensberry bubble that people are talking about beating up a bully. In the world I live in, people have guns. If, if you, uh, if you re- uh, reply to violence with violence, they'll just get a bigger gun. Yeah, you're right. And in, in the world of ideas, they, uh, in, in politics, they just uh, do away with the, uh, the, they just change the rules. of the truth. Yeah, yeah. Truth goes away so that they'll do anything to win. Yeah, yeah. I, and we're all seeing that right I, now. I have no answers for it, we all, but all we can do is, is keep trying to uh, find some way to reason. Violence is... Is not going to be the answer. I don't think reasoning with them is going to be the solution. Uh, you know, we saw uh, both. Well, in particular, we saw Barack Obama try that for eight years. And Are we going to kill them all, or what? No, no. What what we what we do is we we outnumber them and we vote them out of office. Oh yeah. Okay. I, I mean, that's the whole point okay, of a democracy. We, we, can't, we can't convert them, but we have to. We have to find a way to increase our numbers and get our people out to vote. Absolutely right, and that's that's why I'm a big big advocate of progressive media. I think without good progressive media, uh, you're watching one of them right now, Free Speech TV. Uh, without yeah, good progressive I but, but media, we're screwed. This, uh, this idea away from beating up on a bully. You, you, the, the physical part of it is is repulsive to me. You you can't get there by the yeah. No, I, I get it, Chuck. And we've had two two people call in uh, and say, you know, they punched back. And uh, you know, I tip my I tip my hat to to people who take on bullies. I think the the metaphor is not that you know if somebody's got a gun, you you know you point a gun at them or anything like that. I think the metaphor is you have you can't just let bullies bully you, and you can't just ignore it. You you have to fight back. The the the, the ground on which we can fight back, though, uh, you know, reasonably fight back, I think is 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 fairly clearly established. And, and that is that we, we need to turn out more people and vote them out of office. Um, you know, that the Democratic Party is doing better and better day by day, but uh, I, I get it. Chuck, I got to move along, but thank you for the call. Robin in Kingston, Washington. Hey, Robin, what's on, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom. Uh, just kind of talking about bullying uh, from my perspective and in a macro uh, cosmic event, expanding from all the interpersonal things. Again, just to remind you, I'm a very proud 9-11 Truth peace activist, a world peace activist, and I'm comfortable in my skin doing that. I look at 9-11, the events of 9-11, the net result is that the events, I can argue, bullied the citizens of this country to easily give up 
too much of the First and Fourth Amendment rights. You're absolutely right. Uh, and also, and yeah, that was and, and that yeah, was bullying by both Bin Laden and Bush. This is what I'm saying. Okay, and and also, it allowed the Pentagon to adopt a new enemy since they lost the USSR, right. and that is basically Islam. Okay, yeah. So, which brought us the Patriot Act and everything else. Right. This is how Cheney and Rumsfeld and Clark wanted it to happen. So anyways, I just thought I'd chip that in. Yeah. Thank you, Robin. I, I think your observation is spot on. We'll be back with more of the news and more of my thoughts and yours in this uh, kind of national town hall meeting we have here every day on the Tom Hartman program. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was intended to be. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.